Praise the Lord. I'm going to share for just a little while here about worldwide evangelism. But that's not the title for this message. It's called, uh, what was the name of my message again? Oh, the harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. I'm, I'm, I'm going to cross things a little bit with David here because he was putting the scriptures up on the thing here for me, but uh, on the screen. But I've, uh, I'm going to start off by reading John chapter 6, verse number 38, instead of the other passage. I'll read it here in just a minute. But right now I want to start off with John chapter 6, verse 38. It says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, dear God, that it's not about our will. It's all about you. We ask, dear God, that you'd help us to do everything you ask us to do. When you ask us to do it. Whether it's waiting on you or whether it's right then. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus only did what the Heavenly Father told him to do. And we thank you, Father, for helping us to do the same. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, I got to reading that one scripture, and I got to thinking about something. How often do we let our own will be done instead of the will of the Father? You know, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about God, the Father. It's about the Holy Spirit. That's the message that we need to be proclaiming to the lost and dying world that we live in. We've got to reach out to them. The world is not going to tell the world about Jesus because they don't know Jesus. It would be like me trying to explain to you the theory of uh, relativity. I have no clue as to what that all entails, and I would be just standing up here stemming and hawing and everything else because I wouldn't know what to say because I don't know that. But I do know about the salvation that Jesus provided for all of mankind. And because of that, I can share that message. And I pray that I always do. I pray that I, I set the example for you to follow after here in God's church. In other words, whatever the case is, if I'm asking you to be a forgiving person, I pray I lead the way by being that forgiving person. If I ask you to love somebody, I pray that I set the example by loving somebody. If I ask you to give to the house of God, I pray that I give that I set the example by giving to the house of God. In other words, whatever it is that I want you to do, you need to be seeing and observing in my life. Because I'm the, the pastor of the church, and I'm not saying I'm any better or anything yet, other, you know, more than just the title pastor. But what I am saying is, I have the responsibility of leading you, guiding you, cherishing you, uh, providing for you, giving you protection. I believe that I'm doing that. 
I, since, ever since I got here, I believe I've exhibited those qualities as your pastor for you. And that word pastor actually means shepherd. And I mean, in other words, the word shepherd actually came to mean a, a Christian pastor. And so what I'm saying is, is this, that I believe since I've been here for a little more than a year now, I have exhibited these qualities that I just mentioned to help to lead this church in the way that it needs to go, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to minister to the body of Christ, the flock of God. In other words, I need to be the one setting the example in everything that I'm asking of y'all. You need to be observing that already in my life. And I believe for the most part that that's been the case. I'm not patting myself on the back. Don't get me wrong. I'm not bragging on myself. But what I'm saying is, is that this is where God has brought me and my wife to as your pastors. And, and we want to do the will of God. That's why we don't do something just half cocked. We don't do it just because we think it might be a good idea. Did you know there's a difference between a good idea and a God idea? The good idea means that God very well may not be in it. And if he's not in it, it's not going to succeed. But if he's in it, it's a God idea. And we, as the under-shepherds under Christ Jesus, we follow the leading of the Spirit of God. And we, we do only what the Spirit of God says. We do the will of the Father, just like Jesus himself did. Let me read that verse to us one more time. John chapter 6, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. You know, Jesus was a person just like you and I. He had emotions. He had feelings and desires, just like every one of us. And the only thing was, he did his, all of his living without any sin in his life. But you know, there's a scripture that talks about, and I think it's maybe in Luke, I'm not 100% sure. But anyways, it says that Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying to the Father. And he says, Father, if this cup can pass from me, may it be so. But if not, then... Not my will, but thine be done. It, Jesus was all about following the leading of the Spirit, following the leading of his Father. And that's what we need to be doing, folks. We need to go in the way that God wants us to go and do what God wants us to do and say what God wants us to say. That means that we don't just go out and willy-nilly and try to do things on our own. We ask God first, is this your will for my life? Is this what you want me to be doing? One of the things we know that he wants us to be doing, because he gave the disciples this great commission, and he said, go into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do all that I have told you to do and, and observe and that he would be with us until the end of the age. In other words, we're not going to be out there on our own trying to do things. It's going to be by the leading of the Holy Spirit. When things start getting cooler, 
I believe it's God's intent for this church to go out and knock doors and tell people about the Lord and also to invite him to church. Maybe that invitation is the only thing we'll do. I don't know. We're going to be led of the Spirit on each door we knock on. And I, I'm telling you, folks, that I believe 100% that God is in this for us to do. But it's only going to be after the weather gets cooler so we're not out in the heat like it's been here lately. Because that heat has been unbearable. So anyways, I just wanted to share what a few thoughts on that verse of Scripture before I actually get into the ministry of the Word itself. You thought, well, that was part of it. Well, maybe, but i got more to go. <laughs> Matthew chapter 9. If you would, turn your Bibles there with me today. Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to look at verses 35 and 38. find it, if you would, stand with me, with me as we honor God at the reading of his word this morning. Matthew chapter 9, beginning with verse 35. says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We ask God that you would help us to lay hold of it this day, and help us, God, to implement it into our life on a daily basis. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. As I said, this morning's message is called, The Harvest is Ready. You say, well, you didn't read anything about a harvest this day. And you're right, that's coming in a minute. But what I wanted us to pick up on was that Jesus was all about doing the ministry. That was his main concern in life, was to do, it, do the ministry. Heal people of their sickness and disease whether it was the disease of sin, whether it was the disease of something in their physical body, whatever it was, the Lord was about healing people. That's part of our vision. Did you know that? Yeah. There's First off, is touching the hearts of this community. Then comes reaching the lost souls. And then comes uniting the body of Christ. And then training people for discipleship. And then we have number five is healing the sick. So there's five different aspects of ministry to our vision. And we need to be understanding today that God wants us to fulfill every one of those things. And we do it as we follow the leading of the Spirit and as we follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says, uh, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, he didn't say just follow me. And, and that's not what I'm asking y'all to do. I'm not asking you as a human being to follow after me because I'm fallible. 
I make mistakes. But God never does. So as you see me following Jesus, you can be go you can go ahead and follow my example because I'll be doing what the word of God says to do. And so that's what we just got through reading there. And then it says that he saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. That word moved with compassion actually means to have pity on. It means for us to uh, show love and concern for other people. You know, that, that includes making ourselves vulnerable. Let me read to you something here that's in the Spirit-filled Bible that I have. It's under the heading called Christ's Likeness. Truest compassion is only found in the nature of God because only God knows the full depth of an individual's pain, need, or suffering. Jesus is a scene in the essence of his feeling human, human weaknesses, fully sensing the ravished condition of human brokenness. Christ's likeness calls us to learn Jesus' heart of compassion, a depth of sensitivity that can be worked in us through the Holy Spirit, reconditioning our hearts to be able to sense the pain of human bondage and the weep of those who weep. Jesus' tears over the city of Jerusalem and his tears at the tomb of Lazarus reveal more than either a sense of rejection by the people of one city or a grief for the death of a personal friend. His compassion brought tears for the hardiness, for the hardness of all hearts that were blinded by their sin and for the tragedy of all mankind's vulnerability to death. Love sees beyond the immediate and the personal and compassionately relates to the lost, the hurting, the needy, the distressed. It moves more and more into the dimension of discipleship that discovers the compassion of Christ flowing through a person to care for and serve others. You know, it's important that we serve others. It's important that we don't neglect the ministry for whatever reason. We may think, well, I don't like that person. It doesn't matter. The Bible doesn't call us to like the person. It says you will love the person. In other words, you'll do what benefits that person in their life. One of the hardest things that i found over the years to do but I'm a lot better at it than back when I first got saved. And that was where Jesus says, love your neighbors as yourself. In other words, he also says to pray for your enemies. You know, that was one of the hardest things for me to learn how to do was pray for my enemies. Because all I wanted was God, strike them dead. God, get vengeance. Your word says you'll, you're not... For me to take it back out on them, but Lord, you said that you would repay. But you know, I like those scriptures because they got my point across. But you know what? That's not the attitude I'm supposed to have towards people in, in life. I'm supposed to love and pray for my enemies just like I would for my family and friends. I'm supposed to lift them up and ask God to bless them. And to minister to their needs, whether it's physical, financial, mental, emotional, 
or, or spiritual. I'm supposed to be praying for that individual on every aspect of their life that God will have his way in their heart and life. And then not be surprised when it happens. You know, that's another thing that when the, when the disciples were praying for Peter to be let out of prison, they were praying, Lord, deliver him, rescue him, get him out of there. Well, guess what? Their, answer, their prayer was answered. And he came knocking at their door. And this one woman goes to the door and she looks out and sees it's Peter. And she goes back and tells everybody and they say, no, it can't be. Well, what have they been praying for? They've been praying for his release. So they shouldn't be surprised when he shows up at their front door. Same thing with anybody who needs Jesus in their heart and life. We shouldn't be surprised. But even though it kind of surprised my mom, I think, when I got saved, when I was almost 27 years old. Because she had been praying for me for seven years, her and her church. Anyways, I was uh, deep in sin, and every time the pastor of the church kept saying He'll get, he's coming back, every time she said that, I got worse and worse. Finally, the Lord got a hold of me, and I got my heart right with Jesus. But even when that happened, guess what? My mom was surprised because she had seen me try to come back to the Lord before this. And, and every time I'd fallen back into the world again. But this time it took a long time for me to get her trust again. But I did finally. And I'm praising, I'm praising the Lord for that. I'm not patting myself on the back or bragging. I'm just saying is that it finally happened. I got her trust back. But what I'm saying is, is this: when you get, when you pray for something, and you get an answer to it in the in the manner you prayed over it, don't be surprised when it happens. Just start thanking God for it. Matter of fact, when you start praying for that certain situation or that person, just begin right then to thank God that you're He's working in that person's life or that situation that you're bringing to Him. And I tell you what. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. In other words, we thank him even before it's happened. Because we know, the Bible says, we know this in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, I believe it is, says that if I'm, I have this confidence, that if I am praying according to the will of God, I know that he hears me. And if I know that he hears me, he will give me the petition that I've asked of him. So in other words, we can take that to the bank, folks. That's a that's right on. That that that's God's word. It cannot and will not ever be changed. And I tell you what, it encourages me when I get answers to my prayers the way I prayed for them to, to be answered. But you know, there's also times when God may not give you what you thought about. No, either that or he may give it to you in a different way than what you thought about. But either way, we need to be thanking the Lord whether the prayer is yes or no either way. Verse 37 of John chapter 9 says, Then he said to his disciples, 
The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. This is going to be a shocking surprise to some of you, maybe. I doubt it. I'd be surprised if it is a surprise to you. There's more ungodly people in this world than there is godly. Did you know that? There's more unbelievers than there is believers. There's more sinners than there are saints. In other words, there, people need Jesus. And this says that the harvest is plentiful. That part, the word harvest there means the world. As I was telling you a minute ago, the world's not going to help save the world because the world doesn't want to be saved. But you know what? God wants every soul to be saved. That's why in first, uh, I think it's first Peter. Anyways, one of the, it's either first or second Peter, and it says, God is not slack, as some people think, in his promises. He, he just wants everybody to have an opportunity to be saved. In other words, to repent and be saved. In other words, we need to be in prayer for those that are lost and dying today. Yes. I thought about singing a song called Rescue the Perishing. We may sing it at the end of the service this morning. But anyways, we need to be reaching out with open hearts like Jesus did. He took pity and had compassion and, and affection for those that it said was like sheep having no shepherd. In other words, without a shepherd, the sheep are going to go all over the place. Without a sheep, you're going to find some over here, some over there, some over there, because they don't have anybody leading them. They don't have anybody guiding them. They don't have anybody discipling them. They don't have anybody trying to talk to them about the ways and the will of God. But you know, whenever the people have a shepherd they have a purpose and they have a goal and they have objectives that they want to fulfill and and one of those goals is we're going to be reaching out to this community touching the hearts of this community by going out knocking on doors and asking them about salvation and ask them about coming to church you know it sat in my heart one day when I was talking to a young lady and she had never heard the expression, the word. And that bothered me. But I didn't know it until at that moment. And I said, well, the word says, and I told her what it said, and she said, what, what's the word? And I had to explain to her that it was the Bible. And I tell you, folks, there are some people that you're going to run into that are just like that. They're not going to know what the word means. They're, we cannot speak to them with all this spiritual language and verbalism that, because they're not going to understand it. Like, for instance, oh, we had a good service the other day at church. There were people being slain in the spirit. Well, guess what they're going to think? Slain means killed. So, in other words, they're going to say the Spirit of God killed those people. No, you're going to have to explain what slain means. In other words, do it as simple as possible. Don't be using these 25-cent college words that some people use. 
You've got to talk to them on their level. You've got to you've got to understand. They very well may not know what any of the things you're going to tell them about mean. You're going to have to explain it step by step by step. And when you do, then they'll grasp it. But what I'm saying to you today is this. Is that the harvest is the world. And that's those that are outside of this church house right now. They're in the world and they're doing their own thing. Some are out golfing. And I'm... I wouldn't even be golfing today even if I wasn't pastor. Did you know that? As much as I love it, I think that's a dedication, a dedicated day to God to just be all about Him. But anyways, my point is, is they may be golfing, they may be fishing, they may be uh, just staying home watching sports, or they may be watching a movie, or whatever it is they might be doing. There's, they're not in the house of God, wherever they're at. And they're probably not watching it on Facebook Live. Some people do. Some people do. They think it's easier to do that than go, get up, get dressed, and go into the house of the Lord. But you know what? This was The Facebook Live was never meant to take the place of people coming to help God's house. It's, but it is a tool that I believe God has given us. So that we can reach the community that we live in. So that in case there is somebody out there. Now, I don't know for a fact this has happened, but did you know that it could be that in all the sermons I've preached over Facebook Live, maybe somebody in the community has accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know they have. I don't know they haven't. But what I'm saying is, is this. That we need to use every means and opportunity that God gives us to reach out to this community. And so, right now, we need to understand that this community needs Jesus. There's more people in Quero that don't know Jesus than there is that do know Jesus. And it's going to be, and it's up to us as God's disciples, as His chosen people. To go and minister the word to those that need to hear it. That's why Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Once again, it goes back to fulfilling the Great Commission. Are we willing to put everything else aside and take a moment or two each day, or just at least once on a Saturday? Um, each week going out and knocking on doors and asking people about their salvation and about Jesus about coming to the house of the Lord so anyways we need to understand that that's what's going on here and then in verse 38 it says therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest I believe that could be referring to missionaries I believe that that might very well include them but I also believe it's talking about other people being saved. It's in the community. It's in this area. It's at your workplace. You know, I've never had anybody get saved that I've witnessed to on their, in their workplace. I've gotten to witness to them, but they didn't make the decision for Jesus right there. But you know, 
All we are responsible for is planting seed. We need to get out there and tell people about Jesus and let them see Jesus in us. Let them see us see it him on a daily basis in our life. Especially if it's people that we see most every day. They've got to see Jesus in us. And if you make a mistake, be quick to ask forgiveness from that person. Don't act like it's no big deal. Just be quick, right then, right there, say, please forgive me for what I just did or what I just said. And you know what? Most people will forgive you. But you know what? There are going to be times, maybe, when people won't forgive you. Maybe they're going to be like that guy that I went to when I was in that first coming back to Jesus, and I went to that bar, and for whatever reason, after about six to eight weeks, I asked for a beer instead of a Diet Coke. I took a sip, and as soon as I did, he looked straight at me, and he says, Now, don't you ever tell me about this Jesus of yours again. And you know what? That hit me like a ton of bricks. But, and I, I was so shocked at what I had done and so shocked by his response, I didn't even ask forgiveness because I didn't think about it at that moment. I just felt my grief and my sorrow over what I had just done and about my witness being annihilated with this guy. Anyways, my point being is if you make a mistake in front of them, be quick to ask their forgiveness. But you know what? If you're actually being led of the Spirit, chances are you're not going to make a mistake. Chances are they may very well have already been dealt with by the Lord, that you're coming to them, that you're going to minister to them, that you're going to share with them about Jesus, and they're going to be ready to give their heart to Jesus. That's what's a good possibility. But now, don't be disappointed if they don't, please, don't be disappointed if they don't accept Jesus right then and there. Just keep on living the life in front of them. And as God creates opportunity, continue to minister to them verbally about the Lord. But you know, if you hit them over the head with the Bible, so to speak, they're going to get to where they just tune you out like a bad radio station. But you know what? If you're being led of the Spirit, use whatever means God gives you to share the gospel message. And let God be the one to save you. Let's pray for the Father, we thank the Lord. We ask, dear God, that the Holy Spirit be guide and direct our steps, Lord. We ask, Father, that we would only do what you say do and say what you alone say. To say. We ask, dear God, that we don't move in the flesh. We ask, God, that we always wait on the Spirit to guide us and direct us in everything He wants to do or say. And Lord, we just thank you, Father. We're going to see others come to know Christ through our witness, whether it's verbal or whether it's by our lifestyle. We just thank you, God, for helping us to live a righteous and holy and pure life in front of the world that we live in. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. At this time, I'm going to ask those that are watching my Facebook Live 
maybe God has triggered something from what you heard me to say this morning under the inspiration and the anointing of the Spirit. Maybe something was said that would cause you to want to give your heart to Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. I'm going to ask for you to repeat this simple little prayer after me. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus. I thank you that he came and lived a perfect and sinless life so that I and that he died on the cross of Calvary in my place. I ask Jesus to forgive me of all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I thank you, Lord, for your salvation. I love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If y'all have been blessed by this, I ask that you would say amen. 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 All right, I want to take the songbook now and turn to page 274.